Dan's Driving Double Feature presents Howling 2 and 7-2, a minute-by-minute podcast covering Howling 2 and Howling New Moon Rising. How y'all doing? This is Dan. I said that, didn't I? Oh, no, I said it was Dan. Th- whatever. Hi, 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 hi. How, how are you? How are you? The uh, We are our 38th minutes of Howling 2 and Howling New Moon Rising here. I will say an odd thing just happened. Um, popped Howling 2 in my Blu-ray player. And, uh, you know, the, the tray went back in and everything went, went black for a moment, like it was going to start. And then it just kind of sat there. It wasn't like, like the disc was, it wasn't frozen. It wasn't it, it just nothing was doing anything. And so I turned off the player after hitting all the buttons I could and it wouldn't turn back on. So I unplugged it and plugged it back in so it would hopefully go back on. And for some reason, it didn't go back on. Now, now I have a spare blu-ray player which i have plugged in and i i am using currently which is treating me fine the only problem is i couldn't get howling 2 out of the first player so right now howling 2 that player is sitting quietly thinking about what it's done and i'll, ch- I'll check on it later today or tomorrow but um so i actually watched this minute howling 2 from tubi thank you tubi and uh we are going to well let me let me let me play it for you here and again this is taped off of uh, 2B, so the sound hasn't been great minute um, uh, movie-wise throughout this, this podcast, but uh, this one might not be as good. Well, I'm going to do my best. So uh, here is minute 38 of Howling 2, Yes, This is a Werewolf. Where the hell everybody go? They're here. They're not here. Stefan, please. Stefan, where are you going? Why are you leaving? I'm going to the village. I will see you there later. Let's get out of here. Philip Mori, you got me. I forgot that there was a werewolf in the back seat of their truck there, and I did in fact go whoa when when I saw the werewolf at the end of the minute. That was good. Those two, like Red Brown and and, and Jenny there, um, she she's just like Stefan, where you going? She, she's not the best, and Red Brown is always doing his thing. He's always he's he's always Red Brown, and so it's like when the two of them start driving away in the truck, and she looks at him and he looks at her, and then she pulls out a little flask and she takes a sip. And then he kind of looks at her again. Then he looks forward. Then all of a sudden, it just looks like that. That's the that's the way they are. Like the two of them. Like she's she delivers her lines kind of awkwardly, and she looks a bit awkward. And Red Brown is just kind of Red Browning out, and and so just that like twenty seconds of them in the car and her having a little sip and them looking back and forth at each other simply looks th- as as no more or no less awkward than they have been the entire movie. So you actually don't expect it to be a big moment where um, there's suddenly a werewolf in the back. I mean, that's a big, that's a freaking huge werewolf. How on earth did they not see that huge werewolf, please? I think that's probably why the scare works so well, is that, that that's a huge werewolf. What, what was it? How, how could they not have seen that werewolf, one, get into the truck, two, how... 
how it's, it's huge <laughs> i don't know i that's like again i i said i think it works because one there's no possible way it could be there but it is there as stefan says they're here and they're not here so maybe it's um maybe it was smoke a moment ago or something or, or just something very tiny little tiny werewolf now the huge mini mini werewolf to giant werewolf i don't know i don't know but that's that scare really works because they're like the the actors are kind of awkward like that anyways and you don't expect it to be a scare you ju- you just kind of think it's going to go on like that for a while until the scene ends and you'll be like okay what was that about but if it's actually a setup for a scare and then because the werewolf obviously shouldn't be in there but is there you go so I, I like that quite a bit that's that's nice and yeah the then of course the minute ends with the woman the old lady werewolf dying and everybody's gone and Stefan walking away to go up to the to the village and the only other thing really that's sort of notable about the minute is that Stefan proceeds to walk in the direction that they were going when when they stopped the car and got out to help the lady and on all the villagers and the thing that confuses me is aren't in a minute or two I mean regardless of the werewolf in the back seat of the the vehicle in a minute or two aren't they going to pass him is, is, aren't they going both the same way? Why is he walking? Stefan, you need a lift. I'm going to the village. Well, yeah, so are we. It's it's down this road. You get, get in the back. I'm going to the village. Okay, well, yeah, unless he's like, it, 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 like I said, if you if you look to one direction, it, it go, the hill goes up, and then the other side of the road, the hill goes down. So maybe he's like cutting, cutting down, you know, uh, through the woods or something like that. But I just I just like that concept that um, aren't we going to pass him in about? Oh, 40 seconds? Yeah, probably. Okay, I'm going to the village. Uh, I like that. I think that's amusing. And and that's one of the things, too, as they're driving, and they're kind of awkwardly looking and having sips from the flask, is in the back of my mind, I was thinking, aren't they going to pass him in a minute? Whoa, it's a werewolf. So it's a nicely done minute. It's good to have a scare. It's good to have an actual werewolf, something going on in the minute. I don't know that I can promise the same for Howling New Moon Rising. In fact i could honestly say where were we oh um they were talking about the ladies whose whose deer were spooked i think they're about to talk about brock if i remember correctly let's l- listen to this hmm? brock what what are you doing with my deer wandering around at night you should be ashamed of yourself hope you weren't wearing my gold line my dress Oh no, I went at the gym. <laughs> hey Ted, you into anyone else besides George Jones? As a matter of fact, bro, I'm in a necrophilia, sadism, and bestiality. Ted. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, but I think I'm fucking a dead horse. <laughs> I'm actually recording this a few days after my favorite band got it by voices played at Barstow and Harriet and Pappy's. I, I didn't go see him. It sold out relatively quickly and tickets went on sale during um during a rough part of the pandemic and i thought i'm I'm not buying tickets for barstow which is hour and a half away from where i am um and for a show that may or may not happen i, I, I forgot I, i'm looking at their their stage here and yes 
I made an error. They do have a drummer. He's over on the far left. You just can't see him in the shots here. I think if, if we could see this, I'm imagining this was shot for theatrical. I mean, if it was New Line, I, I imagine it was originally shot for theatrical and it should be 185. So we could see the full frame. You would see the drum. You could see the drummer at some point here. But I felt like an idiot last time because I was like, it, 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 after I after I'd released the 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 episode, I was like, wait a minute, there's a drummer right there. You dumb ass. Sorry. It reminded me like I think I told you the story. I'll tell I'll tell it one more time. When I saw um, Eric Clapton at Saratoga Springs, I'm I'm not an Eric Clapton fan, but um, it was after I'd been away to college for like. Uh, uh, like four or five months and a bunch of my f- good friends from high school were like, you want to go to uh, see Clapton? And I was like, well, not really, but I'd like to spend the day hanging out with you guys. So um, so we did that. And I remember the, the, the seat I had, there was like a post or a pole or something up on the stage that was blocking the drummer. And so I spent the whole time going, is there a drummer over there? And like other people were kind of like leaning over, go, oh yeah, there he is, but you couldn't see him. And that's, so that's kind of the way this is right here. Um, but Guided by Voices actually played. I think you you could see it at one point. They they actually have a stage uh, outside with like a backdrop behind it. Like behind that is like the freaking desert, and it just it just the shots I saw that looked so good. Oh, I bet it was a great show. Oh, feel bad I didn't uh, I didn't go out there. But you know I can revel in the time spent with Harry and Pappies in Howling New Moon Rising. So yeah, we keep cutting to uh, uh, song playing and the um, bunch of folks line dancing. And uh, um, Ted telling some jokes and things. It took me it took me ages to figure out what the heck they're saying there with the, uh, and I still can't quite figure out what it is Ted says with something with his gold lame dress, uh, and then Brock says I don't know I Jim, and he's saying I don't know I lent it to Jim, and he points at the bartender and everyone laughs. So I think he's he's saying some when he says uh, because the lady says what were you doing with my dear. And, um, you know, the way she she says that, obviously, it's comedy. I mean, I do like the way she says, Brock? What? I like that. Uh, the rest of it, though, goes downhill. What are you doing with my dear? And then he was, uh, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Where's my gold lame dress? I think that's what he says. I don't know. I lent it to Jim. <laughs> oh, God. I love the fact that we are 38 minutes into this. And just nobody just wants to. I mean, like, like I said way back at the beginning, it, it really feels like Clive Turner met all these people down at Harriet and Pappy's, just fell in love with them. Maybe they fell in love with him. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But he wanted to make a documentary about them. But he had no access to anything that would allow that. But he did have a link to Howling 4, which he co-wrote and appeared in, and Howling 5, which he was in. So he somehow sold them... I mean, it's, a, it's not a bad idea, uh, Wolf Werewolf in the Desert. He sold them on that and said, I have the perfect location. And he made his documentary with all the people from the town and telling the jokes. I mean, he's got that flogging a dead horse joke over the, after that. That's high hilarity. I think I love about that scene is you see the band up on stage. Then it cuts back to Brock. Brock gets poured a drink. He, he gulps it down, sets it down, sits there for a moment. Ted, you into anyone else but George Jones? I, I love that they, you know, it's like, well, Brock, Brock will participate in this this um, brief scene, but he needs a drink beforehand, so we get to see Brock pick up the glass, take a shot, make a bit of a ooh face, set it down, and then say, are you into anyone else besides George Jones? 
I, I don't, I don't, I think the thing with the George Jones is I, I get it, but it's funny because when that, the first time George Jones comes up, it already feels like it's a running gag that we miss the opening of. We miss the setup for it. Like something got edited out, something got missed. Maybe there was an initial George Jones thing he did. Maybe when he was, maybe he, when he pulled into the, the, the parking lot, you heard George Jones playing or something like that, but... I mean, the thing is, like, like, like the music they're playing isn't really... I mean, the George Jones stuff I know is kind of that treacly, heavy on the strings, and, you know, my mother died today, kind of, kind of you know what I mean, kind of so. My whole family is dead, too, kind of, really, you just want to jump off of things onto other things, kind of the thing. So it really, it really does... What, what it kind of reminds me of, like, editing-wise, is if you've seen Batman Returns... I love Batman Returns, but there's there's one moment that always confuses me where you see where Alfred's decorating the Christmas tree, Bruce is watching the news with the penguin on it, where he says he's looking for his parents and he's gonna tr- he's found he you know he 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 wants to find out about his parents you know and find out who he is, and uh, and and Bruce is something like well, his parents I hope he finds them, and then two scenes later he's. Drifting around in the Batmobile outside the Hall of Records, watching the Penguin, and Alfred says something like, "You know, what 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 are you doing? Are you watching that poor Penguin man? You know, do you have to be the only you know strange freak in in Gotham City?" And and Bruce Batman says more or less like, "I don't know. There's something about him I don't trust." Or he says something like that, and you're like, "Wait a minute! Two scenes before, you said you were hoping you find his parents. Now suddenly you don't trust them. Where did that? We missed it." Really, we missed the George. We got George Jones there. So where where to go? Anyway, you know what I mean. So um, geez, that's about it for that minute. Um, that's that's yeah, that's about it. They they do a gag in the beginning. They do a gag in the end. Uh, that's called we call that gaggage. And then um, just the band's up there playing and having a ball tonight and uh, some line dancing going on. I got my cowboy hat. So uh, let us. I guess let let's wrap up this episode here. Then we'll come back next time and we'll um. Werewolf fighting and line dancing. I think it'll be great. Um, I'm Dan. I'm your host. Uh, We'll talk next time. Minute 39, episode 39. Listen to this. (laughs) 